Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello and welcome to The Savvy Founder. I'm your host, Philip Topham. I'm very happy to have Trevor Toma from Rideshine here. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, are you are you also having the 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 windy weather where you're at? Yeah, I had it yesterday. I haven't been outside today, but this balloon flew by my window randomly yesterday, and I was like, man, it must be windy outside. Yeah. So, you, you know. I'm asking about the weather because uh, you know your business what is is cleaning is cleaning cars right right so cars get dirty when it's, it's this way right yeah they get they get dirtier but when it rains people like to cancel so <laughs> <laughs> we're a very weather dependent business and we prefer nice sunny days excellent so for the audience uh, what do you what do you tell people what is rideshine sure so. Rideshine, um, I'll give you kind of the, the, the longer version of it. Um, it started out as a mobile B2C subscription car wash service. And our idea was let's come to people's houses before they leave for work really early in the morning and wash their cars regularly. Um, it was kind of inspired by the trash collection business of like, if we can just come and go house to house, um, we can do this really efficiently. Uh, we didn't do very well there. <laughs> we had to pivot pretty quickly. So uh, we moved into the B2B2C space by kind of working with apartments and condos. And now we are an overnight mobile car wash service for apartments and condos. And we're trying to add on services beyond car washes as well. So, you know, when I think of car washing, I kind of think of this sleepy business that uh, there's the guy with the truck that pulls up with car washing and, and, as I understand, your business is not that, right? You're not just the, you know, pulling up with a truck, you're doing it in the apartment complex. So help me understand how you, you know, discover this really, really discovered a different way of doing car washes, right? Yeah. So the idea from the origin was, you know, even mobile car washes, which yes, is the guy pulling up with a truck is like this tedious thing. You know, you got to schedule it yourself. You got to wait for the person they'll give you, you know, with any service that you order, um, that come to your house, you know, you've got maybe a three hour window when they might show up. And if they show up, then there's just a lot of problems with scheduling. There's a lot of problems with waiting. You have to be there to give them your keys. Um, and we thought, you know, there's, there's a way to eliminate all of the time aspect of this and be more convenient. And so our idea was, let's try to make this completely contactless. Is there a way to do it? Um, and the only way to make it contactless is to get to that car when it's not being used and that is overnight. So our idea was let's get it at the most convenient time. Let's get it the most convenient way. And so we started this, you know, overnight contactless format. And so the guys who come, the guys who do our car washes, they never interact with the person who actually owns the car. The person who owns the car just goes to bed and wakes up with a clean car. Very nice. And, and, I, and I really like that. And, and for the audience listening, if, if you're, trying to figure out your product market fit, you know, Trevor's really talking about, he saw pain in the marketplace and really tried to figure out how to get rid of that pain. And, and kudos to you. It's great. 
So then you transition from, you, you realize that the trying to do it at houses, what was the problem with trying to do it at houses? It's actually reaching the customer um, and like getting them to make that first purchase. So we would, we started with two advertising campaigns. One was, um, you know, online advertising through Google and the other was a mail flyer. And it was really geographically centered because we wanted to be in one tiny little area. And it's really hard to get people to make that first purchase. If somebody's sending something to them kind of randomly by mail or they're stumbling upon it on Google. And so you're never going to get that density of orders in a small location. Um, so we kind of had to transition out of necessity because it was just really expensive to try to get new customers. And we, we knew other mobile car washes existed. And so we started looking at them at not as, well, I bet because they exist, they're super successful. But we started to realize, I bet they're losing a lot of money because <laughs> it's really hard to do this effectively. And we couldn't figure out a way to you know, do it profitably. Nice. So the, the, the proverbial uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. So then if the houses weren't dense enough, you know, your solution was. Yeah. Find, find a parking lot where they're all in one place, right. An apartment building. Um, you know, we, we had a discussion of like, how, how do we, what's the next marketing step? That was our, that was our solution is there's some marketing step that will solve our problem of this B2C space. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go to an apartment building that we'd like had, we'd asked that they had a car wash before we called a couple apartments. I'm just going to show up and pretend that I have a scheduled demo with them and showed up at this really luxury building, downtown LA. It's probably 200 units. They have, you know, full-time security desk, not just staff, but a desk for all the security people. I walked in at the time, all we had was like a bucket <laughs> carried around in different stuff now, but I personally showed up with the bucket and was like, Hey, I'm here to do, um, the manager's oh, car wash for the manager demo. And they were confused. They're like, okay, we'll go talk to the manager. Manager, of course, had never met me. <laughs> no idea what I was talking about. Um, calls the regional manager. They're like, I have this conversation in a back room, come back. And he's like, okay, yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you can go clean my car. So we realized, wow, if we, if we're trying to get into this space, all we have to do is show up because everybody loves a free car wash and it only takes one demo to then reach 200 people all at once and be kind of the exclusive provider for that building. So, um, I, was I absolutely love that story. That, that is, you know, that is, um, like there's so many television shows where they show the person just pretending to blend in. Right. Yeah. Did, did you take inspiration from that? How did you really decide that's what you were going to do? <laughs> you know, I, I, the funny story from school, one of my friends was trying to get into the Rose Bowl and he's another friend. And he just said, you know what? All we got to do is walk in and put up our wrists because they're looking for wristbands that you already got in, but they, they didn't have a wristband. But he said, if you put up your wrists, they're not actually looking for it. They're just looking for you to be confident enough that you can get through. Um, and sure enough, they walked, you know, right, right through and, and it all worked out. And I thought, you know, if they can do that into something that costs hundreds of dollars, I can do that into a random building. So just pretend like you, you belong. Yeah. That's a great lesson. And, and I have been in the uh, technology business as a, you know, uh, chief, chief information officer. And that was one of the things that we used to, to teach people to protect against is that 
of somebody pretending that they were a service person and pretending to go into the computer room, right? Because it's social engineering. But for marketing purposes, it's a wonderful strategy for if, so anybody that has a business that you're dealing with the public, the customers, just be confident and put on that hat. And you're, as, as Trevor can attest, man, you, you got a building out of it, right? You got a free car wash. What, was, there, was the story good? Did you end up winning a contract with them? So the story actually isn't great. We didn't end up winning the contract with them. It was a great lesson in that you can provide something of value. You could provide it for free and it might not work out. But it turns out from our demos, our conversion rate afterward is hovering around 50%. We didn't know that at the time, um, but it was, a you know, we knew that the tough part was getting our foot in the door. And once we were there, we were solid. Um, but yeah, that building actually, no, they ended up ghosting us and did not want the service, which is kind of funny because we're in like three buildings right around them now that we end up demoing later, but. <laughs> well, maybe maybe when they they get the flyer and the notice that uh, they're being left out, they'll, they'll change their mind. So uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, and then with your product though, you, you, you're, you're, you're now doing car washing in buildings and you're doing it when the cars are there. And so that means the cars are there at night and not during the day, right? Because everybody's gone to work during the day. So how's that, you know, you, you were describing you had to do some, solve some pretty t uh, interesting problems to deal with that. Yeah. Um, the, the difficult part about being one in garages and two at night when it comes to like cleaning the car is there's no light. Um, a lot of these garages are really dark and it's dark outside if there's any kind of, you know, window uh, in the garage it doesn't really help you. So you end up having to create your own light because you need to be able to check for streaks. So when we first started doing this, we realized we'd only ever washed cars outside and we started washing them inside and we'd then take them outside and be like, wow, this is actually still really bad. We just couldn't see it when we were inside, um, which at the time we thought might be like a deal breaker. It's a classic, you know founder problem of, is this, is this the end of it? And we realized if we could just shine enough light on the car while we were in there and flashlights wouldn't really work because you, know, you can't be holding something the whole time, both your hands are being used for either spraying or washing down the car. Um, but we realized you know, there are these, you know, sort of headlamps that are built for, you know, mining and being in caves basically that are, that last long enough and are strong enough um, to be able to illuminate a car well enough, you can see all the streaks and you actually see them pretty easily. It, it, it may even be easier than in broad daylight to see um, any problem with the car. So um, yeah, we definitely kind of had to purchase some products to supplement what we were doing, but the key was just to try to get to light into those garages. And we solved that kind of with a, a high-end headlamp. So very nice. So from, help me understand the time that we're talking about from when you decided to, you know, you started demoing uh, cleaning cars in, in residential areas to then this whole pivot. How long did that take you to, to do that pivot? Yeah, I'm guessing when I'm telling the story, it probably sounds like relatively quick. Like maybe we, maybe for a few weeks, <laughs> we started the idea in August of 2020. We kind of put everything on paper and well, officially launched with our website in yeah. September of 2020. And it wasn't until December that we ever even thought about getting into apartments and condos. And our first wash in an apartment building was in the last week of February of 2021, which was a full six months after 
we have the idea of being B2C. So it, it actually took, it took a long time. And even in December, January, when we, we started to understand there's a lot of interest here. Buildings, you know, had a lot of positive responses and we knew eventually we'd get in one. It still took from that point, two and a half months just to get into the first building. So um, it was a depressingly long time before we got any kind of validation of what we were doing. And even then, I mean, I, I remember my co-founder and I, we, we went and washed the cars ourselves and there were four cars. I mean, it wasn't like we were in and all of a sudden our business was booming. Um, nothing like that. It, it took a yeah. while. Yeah. So, but you had the fortitude to keep, you know, moving forward and, and understanding that there's gotta be a way to solve this problem. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we always talk about is we treat hurdles like opportunities. So, you know, if you were trying to run from point A to point B with a hundred other people and there were no hurdles, you'd all end up at point B and like, it'd be really hard. There'd be a lot of competition at point B. But if in between there's a hurdle that, you know, 75 people can't get over, all of a sudden, if you just say, I'm no matter what it takes, I'm going to get over this hurdle. Now there's only 25 people that you're dealing with at point B and every single hurdle, you know, that we come across, we try to think of like that, you know, I'll give you an example. One of them, we have this huge problem with um, labor. So, you know, how do you get people who are really skilled at what they do, but also really reliable um, yeah. in this space? Because, you know, you're going to be in an apartment building that's giving you the keys that, you know, is, is trusting you to, you know, handle the cars well. And people are, you know, letting you operate on their, you know, $20,000, you know, object. So it's a very risky thing you're doing and it needs to be really secure. Um, but it's a really hard thing to get enough people and enough volume for them. And what we realized was every single mobile car wash company is dealing with this exact same problem. So if we can just do it better, we've knocked down that hurdle and we've gotten over something that other people are going to, are going to falter on. So we kind of, yeah, every hurdle is an opportunity. That's how we do it. I, I really like that. Every hurdle is an opportunity because it, it gets rid of your comp. You get over the hurdle, you get rid of competition. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that. I think uh, it's going to be a new mental model for me. Appreciate it. And, and as you're, as you've been going on, you now are, are, uh, in that journey, as you've, if you've kind of now narrowed down that you're in these high density apartment buildings, washing cars at night, and where's your, where's your business now? What, what do you think has been um, your, your next step forward? Great question. And it's a, it's a timely one because we're kind of in the midst of trying to take a next step forward. So right now our target market has been you know, high-end buildings with 150 plus units. And, and the reason we set that barrier is it, it needs to have enough cars where people by opting in on a weekly, bi-weekly, tri-weekly basis, um, give us the volume where it makes sense to go there. So if we had to show up at each building and do one car, we're no different than any other mobile car wash going, you know, around randomly. If we can do 10 in one spot, all of a sudden there's a lot of efficiency and we can offer lower prices, which is kind of how our model works. Um, but we realized there are only so many high-end luxury buildings with that many units. And, and really, we try to target buildings with 300 plus. I mean, that's, that's what we're kind of ideally looking for. And so our next step is to kind of target a different type of building. And the only way to target is to change our model a little bit. So we are moving from B2B to C exclusively into the B2B space as well, where we're going to try to target you know, buildings that are in that 
maybe 25 to 50 unit range, but our service will be included as a part or sort of like an amenity. So, you know, everyone pays for the gym or the pool or the conference room, even if they don't use it, right? And with our, our service is going to be like, you're going to pay for a car wash and you're going to get it, even if you might not necessarily, you know, have opted into it whenever you would have done it. Um, so we kind of want to start becoming an amenity or treat it as an amenity in sort of luxury, smaller and medium-sized buildings. And from our research, there's, you know, tens, if not hundreds of times more potential business in those buildings, not only because there are so many more of them, but because obviously our penetration rate goes to 100% with that model. And that's, that'd be a really lucrative way to go about it. Exactly. Very nice. Yeah. And, and so for the audience, you've just heard what it means when, when we always talk uh, about product market fit and talks about doing these little experiments, you know, you, you know, try the, the, the residential model, you know, I, I know they have this problem. The residential model didn't quite fit. Then you go to the high rise and you, you, you learned how to master that model, right? Once you've mastered that, got that revenue going, then you can expand on. So great. Good job. It's, 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 you know, one step at a time, you build one market, you get out the channel, you get out the customers and, and move forward. So that's fantastic. As you, as you sort of look back at your, your journey, is there anything that surprised you? about where you're, you know, you're looking back and you're going, huh, that was, that was great accomplishment. I was surprised. I, I love the story about the bucket though. That's you know, any other good stories like that. Um, surprising accomplishments. Uh, the first buildings were definitely some getting insured. I don't know why that felt like an accomplishment. I felt like, you know, who would insure us? They don't know us. They don't know what we do. I mean, we were really like two people who had no experience. Um, but getting insurance was a big thing. Uh, I would say that the biggest step we've taken more recently, like since the bucket days, <laughs> um, was when we got into an accelerator. That was a huge step for us because up until that point, we had been doing it part-time and we kind of got um, a, a small pre-seed investment that was at least enough to get us to both commit to it full-time. And we've actually only been full-time since the start of December. So it's only been two and a half months where we've been doing this full-time because it was part-time prior. So that, that was a huge step for us in the journey. And um, that was probably the biggest celebration we had was when we realized we could, we could, you know, dedicate all of our resources to this. Nice. So, so help me understand, how did you decide to go from the way you were doing things to saying, Hey, I really do need to use an accelerator, or go to the accelerator. What was your thinking process there? Cause there's a lot of people listening that, you know, they want to know, should I use an accelerator? Should I not use an accelerator? How'd you come to that conclusion? Great question. I probably don't have the best answer because I didn't know enough about the space to really make a good judgment. So I have no background as an entrepreneur. My co-founder has very little background as an entrepreneur. Neither of us had been through an accelerator. Neither of us had applied to an accelerator. Um, we'd never gotten venture capital. We'd never gotten private equity. We'd never gotten... Uh, any type of funding from friends and family. So to us, it was like um, we were shooting in the dark and we thought this is a way other people have succeeded. Um, we kind of did a little bit of research on like how do companies scale? How do they, you know, how do startups get from where they were to where they want to go? And it seemed like there were, you know, these programs, accelerators that seemed to help people get there. So we got really lucky and that it ended up working out well for us. But 
I, I don't have a great answer because we really just thought we need to get enough money <laughs> to be able to do this full time. And we only applied to accelerators that could provide that amount of pre-seed funding to get us to do it full time. So our main goal was to get funding. And we thought really accelerators were a viable option for that. Excellent. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. You know, you're, you're appreciate your, your candor. Absolutely. Uh, love it. And yes, making, you know, the, the, uh, there's many things that we do forward to, you know, that looks like the right path, right. And you go through the door and you say, I'm glad I took that path. And even if it's, you know, like you, uh, you said, you, you tried the door and the residentials and the residential didn't work and you tried the door in the big buildings and that worked. And that's a lot about what entrepreneurship is that getting up and being uncomfortable to try something different. And then if something works and you cross the hurdle, excellent, you know, knock a hurdle down and, and move forward. Um, as you're, as you're, uh, it, what are what are your expense other than the these these other buildings and such? What are you needing in your business next? What do you think is the the most critical thing? Is it the is it technology? Is it staff? Is it marketing? What what do you think is going to be really get you the next level? Yeah. Um, so our our goal transitioned obviously from the beginning. We were like we're going to be a mobile car wash that's like nationwide B 2 C. And we're like, okay, we're going to be in all these high rises. And now we want to be in, you know, just every building doing these car washes. But really our plan is to be an all-in-one service provider for these apartment complexes and really, you know, do it all as an amenity. And what that means for us is we don't want to just be doing car washes. We want to be handling their maid services like you would see it um, in a hotel building where, you know, they go door to door to door the same way we go car to car to car and kind of add that efficiency to what happens in these buildings. Then we kind of want to add, there's this thing that's trending a little bit, which is called trash valet. And that is, you know, taking care of all of the trash needs of the apartment on a regular basis as well. We want to be in that space. Those are both more like on the call it physical labor side of services as an amenity. And then once we're kind of expanding in that space, um, the obvious add-on is to add sort of digital amenities. And whether that's a newsletter or habit tracking app, or you know any type of content as a service, so you know, meditation content or workout content. You know we kind of want an app that is really an all-in-one service provider for residents of all of these buildings. And instead of you know paying for each of these things individually and paying high prices, we can get it to them all at a much lower price because we kind of use the buying power of the whole building and use it on behalf of right an individual resident. So our our, our longer-term model is we really want to be sort of that physical and digital service provider for these buildings. And how do we get there? It's going to take, yeah, a lot of labor. It's going to take um, some people with a little bit more, you know, technical proficiency than I have for sure. Um, but that's, that's sort of the end goal. I'm not sure if I answered your question super clearly, but that's. No, 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 you're, you did. You, you're, you're aiming to be that, that, uh, you know, consolidated services, buying power for the, for these uh, concentrations of people and makes a lot of sense. And, and as you, as you look forward, you know, I, I heard that excitement come into your voice. So, so what are you most excited about when you look forward? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm assuming the excitement came out on the more digital side. I don't know that that's when it came out of my voice, but that's my guess. And the reason is, it is 
a real headache to scale physical services. Um, there is a massive people aspect of it that I had no experience coming in. So my background is a data scientist. I'm used to, you know, sitting at the computer all day and making models and making predictions. Um, I have no background in, you know, managing people or hiring people or, you know, what do you do when um, someone doesn't show up or, you know, there's any type of people problem. Um, and that's all new for me. It's a really interesting thing to learn about, but it's also exceptionally frustrating uh, <laughs> to deal with. And I think that's, it's like, that's, you know, a classic founder problem. It's just like these things you didn't see as being huge problems that end up being them uh, or, or pain points. But I think some of the reason I'm really excited about the more digital expansion is it's something that scales um, much more effortlessly. Um, once the product's there, you know, it's, it only takes someone really signing up for the building to, to scale it as opposed to, you know, hiring a bunch of new people, making sure all the logistics are in point, making sure that they have all the supplies um, getting everybody keys, um, all these other small things that end up being large pain points. So I'm guessing I was excited about the digital. Yeah, you, yeah, That's yeah, yeah you, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I knew you were a data scientist, and you were, you got excited about that, but the audience didn't know that, and the, but it came out right, right. which is wonderful. Uh, you, you know, our time is just flying by. I got a question. So you know, if you were to, uh, there's a lot of people listening. And what advice would you give to yourself, your younger self? That's when they when you started this business. If you could go back in time and you could go, hey, I know you're going on this journey. Pay attention to this. What would what would you tell your younger self? Don't get too attached to the idea you think is great. Um, so. I said it took six months really for us to pivot and that was too long. Like that wasn't because we had some successes and we, you know, it was tough to let it go. It's because we were so tied to the original idea that like people would want this before they went to work and they'd wanted their house. And had we not been as tied to that, we would have gotten into the B2C space faster. Also, even once we were in that space and we started to have successes, um, you know, there was a scalability issue that probably should have reared its head a little bit earlier on where we could literally list out the 300 buildings that we could target. And if you get halfway down that list and you're not at some pretty large scale, you are not going to be able to get to the scale you want to be. And we got way further down that list before we started to realize maybe we can't reach the volume we want to in this, with this model. Um, but again, I think that has to, a lot more to do with believing in our idea and believing in what we were doing, as opposed to having sort of an open mind about, you know, changing at any point, small parts of things. So, you know, don't fall in love with the idea, fall in love with the, you know, solving people's problems and you're going <laughs> to be up And that, that's what I give myself. That's the advice I give myself. Uh, excellent. Yeah. That's sage advice. And, and well, uh, hard lesson learned, but well, but it, it's, it's going to accelerate your going forward, right? You've learned that lesson and you'll be able to, to pivot and move and, and be very agile going forward. So excellent advice. And any of you listening that it's one of those things where all we fall in love with what we're doing and what we think is right, because we we're there. And frankly, the customers will tell you what's important. Your business model will tell you what's important. If you can do those little teeny experiments, that's what they're talking about when they talk about the lean business canvas and the little micro experiments. So uh, you, Trevor's thanks for sharing the real life. You've lived it. <laughs> Wonderful. 
So how do, uh, how do people get in touch with you and, and uh, find out more if they want to uh, contact you or such? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, reach out via LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay, we'll have that in the show notes. That'll be excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if, you want to, if you prefer the email, I think we'll have that too, but mine is trevor.toma at ridechine.co. Um, so I think that'll be in the description as well. But yeah, we'll put, put, put that in. Just, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. You're, you're candid. You're going to help. Uh, you, I can see you've got the the fortitude and the, the ideas of of how to put things together and get the skills there and get some backing out of the, the accelerator full-time now. So I, I think good on you. You'll be, you'll be going places. So thanks, Philip. I appreciate you having me. So if you enjoyed today's show, you know, I'm sure you did. You, you Trevor's excellent. Uh, please share the episode with another f- fellow founder. So they too can shorten their journey a month, a week, a day. Uh, if you want to book any time with me, ask the savvy founder at the, you can book.me. I'll have that in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and professional lives. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.